0: Hey, 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 everybody. What's up? We're back. The time you've been waiting for all week.
1: Yeah, you've been on the edge of your seat waiting for the text lab to drop. It so is dropped.
0: It's another episode do it. of the text lab podcast.
1: Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing good today. Yeah, I... Uh... I got to the gym and worked out legs and I can barely walk and that's nice. an amazing feeling.
0: Amazing feeling. I How went to In N Out.
1: Oh there you go. Didn't go to the gym. Different that's type okay. of gym. I was at In N Out last night and it almost came up at the workout today. So nice. just so you know, just nice, for dude. your information. Yeah.
0: Hey, well, welcome listener to the Text Lab. <laughs> glad we can give you some personal updates, life updates. That's how it Thanks goes. for joining us. The goal of the text lab is simple, to equip mm. you to be a disciple who takes a deeper look into the text to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. And so whether you are leading a group, just doing some study on your own, we hope this really prepares you to have meaningful study and conversation about what God has said to us in mm. his word. I feel like we are Really coming to the uh, <laughs> the end of a journey here of some sorts. We are in the last section of Romans 11. Romans 9 through 11 has gone hard in the pain, all fall. And oh, um, this is a, a significant si- section of Romans yeah. that we are wrapping up. We're in Romans 11: 25 through 36. Jake,
1: you want to read it for us? Lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.
0: Such a good passage of scripture as Paul really wraps up this section. I think looking at verse 25 where Paul tells his listeners that he does not want them to be ignorant of this mystery. Right. Is really a like helpful and key piece and label for in some sense salvation as a whole and how we understand God's plan is that it is a mystery. Right. And even recognizing that is a really good place to start. We've kind of been in this section section where Paul is talking about who is chosen and how free will works into that, talking about the hardening of Israel, talking about branches getting grafted in, yeah. talking about Israel now all Israel being saved, talking before even Israel about being a stumbling block and uh uh, there's a lot of things to oftentimes kind of wrap our minds around in those things and we are able to understand it. But ultimately, salvation is a mystery even while we understand it.
1: Right. And like, I love that Paul continuous continuously like hits humility and um, kind of an uncertainty to him and to the people that are reading this because he's talking about such... Uh, deep and confusing things. Like, I think it's in first Peter when first Peter's like, Paul writes some hard to understand things in his letters, you know, and like, that's just reassuring to me. But also as we're reading through these hard things and talking through the end of times and how God is going to do all this stuff and the tensions, the inevitable tensions, we just need to start with the fact that it's like, okay, there's humility here. Yep. There's no, like, none of these people beside me are my enemies. My heart breaks, like, Paul's heart breaks for the people beside him. Um, But it doesn't mean we're not going to think hard about it, too.
0: Yeah, and I love that even Peter is like, hey, Paul is hard to understand. Like, that's actually encouraging when we're looking at these verses that Peter himself is wrestling with that, probably thinking about Romans 9 through 11 when he writes that. And one of the hard things that is Uh, difficult to understand here is really what does Paul mean when in verse 25 and 26, he talks about a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Um, Just kind of an overview of that. There's really two main views about this. The first one, is a conversation of belief about whether future conversion of ethnic Israel will occur. This view really understands Paul's words here to interpret them as this future event where a lot of Jews will come to believe in Jesus at some point in the future. Um, All of Israel here could be referring to this large-scale turning to Christ by the Jewish people, which would be amazing right. um it would be absolutely incredible so uh this view re- really thinks that here paul is describing this future event um anticipates a time um probably towards the end times kind of in the kind of eschatological process of God's redemptive history, uh, a significant number of Jews come to believe in Jesus. That is one of the main views on this passage. The other is uh, thinking that Paul here might be talking about a spiritual corporate Israel, uh, a perspective that understands all of Israel as more of a metaphor Metaphor here, or in a spiritual sense, um, representing the entire body of believers now known as the church, both Jewish and Gentiles all together, all of Israel here Um, might already be fulfilled in the collective body of Christ, um, inclusive of all believers, regardless of their ethnic backgrounds. And so there is some significant debate and discussion and questions and wrestling with what is Paul talking about here when he's talking about all of Israel being saved. Um, Regardless, though, I think you see Paul having this continual emphasis on God's redemptive history and his plan being played out And the thing that's really struck me almost about Romans 9 through 11 is that you see God as the active mover of that. He is the one that is carrying out his redemptive plan. He is the one that is bringing salvation. He's pursuing others. All are welcomed now to come and receive Christ. And a lot of this is to remember who Paul in his original audience is writing to. He's writing to Jews who mainly would have been having a question, has God failed us? Uh, because he did not keep the promises of Roman, of Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. And Paul is answering that question that God hasn't failed. His salvation plan is still coming about. There's a remnant that's there. He's been working in these different ways throughout Israel, throughout all of history. And then this way, all of Israel will be saved. And depending on which meaning and perspective you take, it still is all about God's glory yeah. in this passage.
1: Yeah, dude, it's mysterious. You did a really good job. Painting that picture, it's hard. Those it, are hard. Those are. T- it gets
0: a little complex.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it totally is, um, and I, it just reminds me of this like constant argument. I mean, I'm in I'm in young adults all the time, and the one that we love to argue about the most is free will predestination. Mm. Like we just sit there, and I'm like, stop. <laughs> Let's actually talk about things that matter. Um, not that this doesn't matter, but there's this. C- Inevitable tension, that vintage grace, we believe that like we're, we're fighting this tension, we're wrestling with it, and this is that passage that we're wrestling in. But one of the things that I really think we can take from this passage is theology has to become uh, personal and applicable to the people in front of us. Come on right? Like this stuff, we can argue about it and we can talk about it and we can think really hard about it. And it leads us to worship as Paul leads us to worship here as he's talking about it. But what really matters is that like, I don't know who's going to be saved and I'm going to love the yet to believe right in front of me, right? I'm going to engage with this church community and I'm going to love the brother next to me. Um, And also I'm going to learn what God's character is from this passage. And that is that he is a rescuer, that he is enacting this ultra complex narrative where he's working through free will and predestination to save his remnant, to save his true people. Um, So I don't know. I think the main thing I just want to emphasize as it's been on my heart is like theology has to be personal. It has to be in our hearts as we're looking across at the people that we love, the people that we care about. It can't remain um, just in the the argument space.
0: And one thing I love about what you just said there is that Two things that I love about what you just said is that when you're thinking about this in a relational, personable way with people who don't yet know Jesus, who are yet to believe, are not following him, or even when you think about that in your own life, it actually does lead you into that place of humility. Suddenly, a conversation about predestination, election, and and free will— is suddenly very different when a real person that you love and care for and are praying to believe in Jesus is in the room, in your mind, in your heart as you have that conversation. It just gives it a different flavor. So you're understanding, yeah, this is important, but— This isn't important because of who's right here. This Mm. is important because of this about God's glory and understanding and worshiping him more, which is where Paul actually goes. I'm glad we read that section because seeing the end uh, of where Paul takes us in Romans 11, I think really helps us understand how we get there and it right sizes it in its right place of God is doing all these different things, but it's not about us being right about the way it plays out. It's about his glory. It's about his plan. And Actually, even one thing that strikes me from these passages is seeing that God's redemptive history and plan has had this process in theology. We don't always think about that in salvation, that there were certain pieces God orchestrated um, in a certain way for salvation to come about. It wasn't, he didn't just snap his fingers and Mm. save everyone in particular, I think particularly because that would not have been aligned with his character and nature. Thinking about other places of scripture that talk about without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, Mm. without um, a sacrifice, without um, truly a place for God's justice to fully be expressed towards Christ on the cross that allows forgiveness to occur, that God remains fully holy while he is fully um, merciful as well, Mm. that there was this order to our salvation for how Mm -hmm. that occurred. It came through the Jewish people. And actually just kind of like one, one cool thing it can lead us to is understanding just the complexity and the magnitude of what God has done to actually save us and the complexity and the magnitude of his plan for human history. It just gets me off the throne of my heart and brings me to a place of worship to recognize truly the mystery that is at play for how God has worked, how he's working now and how he will continue to work in the future.
1: Dude, that is so, so good. I think sometimes we can think God is like, we can just not think deeply about what's going on and what God has mm. done. And we can see God as separate and just above and, but like how he chose to save is by getting his hands dirty, yeah. by literally getting his hands bloody. Yep. You know, like this is, he steps into the mess that we have created and it's not the snap of your fingers. I love that you said that. One of the, the parts that stands out to me as we're kind of ending this big section of Romans from nine to 11 is how it's bookended. And it, mm. it starts with this heartbreak. This heart wrenching humility is where we started in chapter nine, where Paul's yeah. like, I want my people to be saved. Mm. And now we're here ending with worship. Yep. And so as we're reading this section, maybe as you're studying uh, on your own with, with this, with this text, maybe getting for ready for life group or anything else. yeah, Remember to read it in this lens and this tone of humility and worship that Paul is writing it in. Sometimes we can read it and it feels almost like aggressive language Mm. um, because it's written in a certain way, but that's not the tone that he has. The tone he has is like, I would like, I want so badly for my family, my Jews, my Jewish um, nation to receive this and then ends it with like, man, this is some deep stuff. And I just know how good God is. I know how complex he is and I'm just landing in this place of worship. Yep. So continuing from those from those places is is really important as yep. we as we get there.
0: Yeah and I I think there's echoes of even um, Job here at the end of mm. Romans where Whoa. Job just is kind of recognizes this humility before God and God kind of adds to Job, who are you, Joe? Job, Job? Yeah. like where were you when I, where were yeah. you when, when I spoke the universe into existence yeah. and Paul here echoes the Psalms in his doxology. Um, he, it right sizes who is God and who are we, and it's the right place to start. And it's the right place to finish on even a passage like this because it just, helps us understand that this isn't about God becoming a part of our lives and our story, our plan. This is about us becoming a part of his life, his story and his plan and that ending in worship and recognizing that he does sit on the throne, that he is ruler of all, um, that his ways are mysterious yet. He has revealed his ways to us um, that we worship him in that place. And it's just, yeah, it's the right place to start. It's the right place to finish. I think that's kind of even what hits me on like a personal level, just takeaways from these passages is it really just brings you to a place of worship for for God, for his sovereignty, for um, his rule and reign over all things. And then it also really does bring you to this place of unity, which has been, I think, a continued emphasis in the gospel of Romans, kind of what the whole thing's about. Paul's writing to convey unity to them of no matter whether you are Jew or Gentile, you need the gospel. You are desperate and dependent. You need what Christ has done for you on the cross um, that God's still at work too. I mean, that's actually even, I think a huge point here of Paul is he's like, there is God. Yeah, it's not done. There is still things in God's plan. um, All Israel being saved, whether that means the church, whether that means future Israel, God's hand is still at work. He is still on the move and there's, there's real intent purpose and meaning and mission for us to live and be a part of each and every day. How does it strike you, Jake? Just as you're thinking through just personal pullaways from this passage.
1: Dude, I feel like there's so many. It feels like a shotgun shot a little bit. Like there's the humility piece, the mercy piece, the humility piece. I already said that. Yeah. And like the sovereignty of God is, I don't know, man. Like I'm walking away from this passage, kind of feeling like the deeper that I get into the details of how God has knit his story, it doesn't get easier to understand. Stuff gets like brought to light a little bit more and it just increases more of the worship. Mm. You're like, the deeper you dive into the old Testament and smarter people than myself who are writing about it like it just opens your eyes like yeah. how massive God is and like man he's so smart and I, it's like w- crazy bro because like prior I you know we tend to just look at our own salvation story and like god is so good but then it gets even deeper when we see the magnitude of what he's done um and so i'm just feeling that way i'm feeling the worship and i'm feeling the like humility of like dude He is God, I am not, and I'm so glad he is because he's wonderful and so smart. So
0: good, so good. Hey, listener, thanks for joining us today. Whether you're at the gym, cleaning the house, or whether you are the one person out there mowing the <laughs> lawn, Jake's offer to you still stands to call in to the pod. We don't have a phone number here, but no. you could call one of us, and Jake yeah. will buy you a lo- new lawnmower or whatever you like to do while listening to pods. Uh,
1: it'll actually just be a lawnmower. So it's just a lawnmower. It's it won't a be lawnmower. a new one. I was thinking it was like a keychain. It could be a... Yeah, I mean, that that could work too.
0: Because uh, I was wondering... Kyle told me about the offer. Yeah. I like now that the podcast now has kind of like, you know, different games and things that are going on, Call in freebies. Not not freebies, but you have them on the lawn.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah,
0: it's it's really taking the podcast to a whole new level.
1: Totally, Totally. Either way,
0: we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to dive into the text this week.
1: Yeah, we love you guys. We'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.